Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. Today's Every Day is Earth Day is talking about an Environmental Protection Agency award to Minnesota State University Mankato. It's a part of the Environmental Education Grants Program. It's $80,000, and one of the lead folks in this is Dr. Jacob Swanson, a professor of engineering here with Minnesota State University Mankato. Good morning, Dr. Swanson. Yeah, good morning, Karen. Thanks for thanks for having me here uh, to talk about this this interesting and important project. So this is from the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. So what exactly is this eighty thousand all about? Why is it significant? Sure. There's a couple of focuses for this particular project related to air quality monitoring and measurement. And so one of those focuses is the idea of engaging youth in air quality monitoring and, and monitoring projects. So. The, the big initiative here is to work with K-12 schools in the Minneapolis School District and engage students in hands-on activities related to air quality measurement. And, and so that's kind of one theme of the project. The other theme is this idea of low-cost air quality sensors. And so if we think about an instrument that's meant for, say, regulatory based measurements, you know, an individual instrument might be $100,000, a suite of those instruments, I could imagine easily cost a million dollars. And so, you know, understandably, there's only a few of those in the state. And as a result, we don't have a tremendous amount of spatial understanding of of air quality, uh, just because of the limited number of stations. And so, on the other hand, a low-cost air quality sensor maybe costs $250. And so oh. for the same amount of money, we can buy lots of those uh, low-cost sensors and deploy them and, and then increase, increase the, the spatial understanding of, of air pollution um, in a certain area if, if we deploy them you know, over, a, over a certain geographic area. Let me ask the basic question. Why is it important that we should know air quality? Sure. So when we, when we think about air quality kind of two things come to mind. One is the, the concentration of particulate matter in the air, and then the other is the concentration of, of noxious gases. So when we think of particulate matter, we think of PM10 or PM2.5, and that corresponds to the concentration of particles that are smaller than 10 microns in size or smaller than 2.5 microns in size. Uh, and then when we think of gases, we think of things like ozone or nitrogen dioxide, sulfur dioxide, carbon monoxide, and all of these particles and gases cause certain health effects in humans, whether it be irritating the throat, whether it's leading to headaches, or whether it's kind of exacerbating uh, respiratory problems, right? So there's a certain number of, uh, a certain set of health outcomes that are associated with living in an area where there's higher concentrations of those types of pollutants. And so from the perspective of this project, we're, we're mainly interested in, in understanding the problem by making measurements and, and getting a better understanding of what are the concentrations of certain of these pollutants in, in a particular area. I wanted to clarify a little bit for folks listening, because you're 
with the Minnesota State University or Professor of Engineering here, yet the group of folks, the students you'll be working with are in the Twin Cities. You mentioned Minneapolis. So talk about how those logistics happened. Is it just because there's more pollution in the Twin Cities than there is in Mankato, that there's more research to be done there, or what are the reasonings? Sure. So I'm I'm with the, the Twin Cities Engineering Program, and that's a program of the Department of Integrated Engineering. And so the, the students, faculty, staff, facilities are, are located in the Twin Cities. And so when we you know, when, when this project was, was written, we chose to work with schools within the Minneapolis area just because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're physically closer to us. The program would be kind of just as interesting to be done in Mankato. Just for me, that's 70 miles away. So that makes sense for people that didn't understand that we do have branches out in the Twin Cities from Minnesota State, just to explain how that happens. Sounds like you're going to be working with undergraduate students who will be working with these kids in, what, grades K through 12? And what do they do? They do monitoring projects certain times of the year? Or or talk a little bit about the scope of it. Yeah, and and so I can mention a a number of uh, schools that that we've reached out to that we anticipate working on. And so we have Emerson as a a primary school. We have uh, Anderson Middle School. We have South High High School. We're also anticipating working with folks in the science and political science areas of MCTC, as well as an organization called Guys and Gens, which is kind of an after-school STEM program. And so we're really covering, you know, from second grade, through the the collegiate level, trying to reach kind of different classrooms with these projects related to air quality monitoring. And and so how this might look is that myself, the undergraduate team, work with the the teachers, the faculty staff at these schools. You know, we'll we'll plan some lessons, we'll plan we'll plan some activities, and then we'll go in there with a bunch of sensors and, and we nominally have, you know, something like forty sensors to to use with a classroom and and then allow the students or groups of students or, or pairs of students to, to kind of have their own air quality sensor for a short amount of time and then plan their own activity depending on what interests them. And so, for example, they might be living in a home where there's, there's candles or incense burnt and they want oh. to measure the concentration in their home. They might enjoy outdoor barbecues or, or bonfires and they might be interested in, in measuring the pollution kind of outside during a bonfire. They might have a commute to school where, or to work where they suspect the air quality is, is worse than maybe where they live. So maybe they want to put the sensor on their bike or in their car or on the bus and measure, measure pollution kind of as, as part of a commute. And so what we're hoping for is, is to better engage students by allowing them to make a measurement which is of interest to them. And again, that's really enabled by this idea of low-cost air quality sensors where we can buy enough of them where it's reasonable to go into a classroom and, and kind of temporarily give one to, to everyone who's interested. Sounds like more than just finding out the quality of air, it's to spark students' interest to maybe pursue this type of work in the future? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, you know, this touches on things like career development where perhaps this is a, a field where students are going to want to go into in, in the future, it touches on the idea of environmental literacy, where students better, you know, when we talk about pollution or we talk about mentor or when we talk about metrics, you at least understand what we're talking about when we say the mass concentration is 10 micrograms per cubic meter or so many parts per million. It touches on the idea of environmental stewardship. So if people are aware of what activities lead to, to better or worse kind of air quality, people may 
change their behavior, you know, depending on what they see. And you kind of can't do that until you, you kind of understand it. So there's, there's a number of kind of kind of educational outcomes associated with the project. According to the news release, which we received about the Environmental Protection Agency awarding this grant to Minnesota State, one of the things they said, we hope to tackle the climate crisis, advance environmental justice, and deliver on our mission of protecting human health and in the environment for all. So will they take this data that the students have gathered and put that in some sort of a format to show how much pollution is out there, for example, or is it more about the process? You know, for, for now, as it relates to my study, it's really more about the education and the process. So, of course, we're trying to, to gather data in the, the, the best ways possible using accepted, uh, accepted techniques. The, the interest here is, is more in the educational aspect about the project as opposed to getting a number which is going to be, dis, you know, disseminated to everybody, which is going to lead to an action. People may find find hot spots, and they may identify a trend, and then it may be a case that somebody else needs to come in with other equipment using other processes and make more careful measurements to to maybe ask and answer what's going on. But my particular project is limited in scope in the sense that really what I'm interested in here is the, the educational aspect of it. Dr. Swanson, what is your particular interest that you applied for this type of a grant to be awarded this about environmental education type programs? Sure. So I, I, I kind of consider myself a, an aerosol physicist. So I've been studying the behavior of, of particles in, in many different contexts for 10 or 15 years. And, and so we use particles in, in manufacturing. Particles come out of tailpipes of cars as a result of combustion processes. Of course, with the COVID pandemic, particles are being exhaled by people when they cough or talk. And so there, there's a, a mitigation and measurement and filtration aspect about that. So my, my career has kind of been focused around measuring particles. Of course, I'm also in measuring, characterizing particles of course, I'm also in academia, and so I have interests in the teaching and educational aspect of it. So this particular project is kind of combining my interest in measuring and characterizing particles as well as the you know education issues associated with it. Has your research in the past been involved with pollutants and, and aerosol? As you said, you're an aerosol physicist. Is that how you describe yourself? Yeah, I think that's a, a good way of saying it, but just... Just in, in lots of different projects, I, I make measurements related to particle size, particle shape, particle concentration. And again, this a, a lot of times this is related to, to vehicle emissions. It could be motor vehicles. It could be aircraft. It could be ship engines. Um, it's also related to, to manufacturing processes. So sometimes particles are used to make materials. And so their particles need to be measured in order to, to understand the manufacturing process of a material which is being made. And so I, I have kind of lots of experience throughout the years in, in kind of lots of issues and measurements associated with characterizing particles in lots of different contexts. So have you found through the years and with your work in this type of research that we have been getting more pollutants because of cars or is it because of manufacturing? Are there any trends that show where most of it's coming from? I, I think what the, the what the good news is is that a couple of things. One, instrumentation is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper year by year by year, and that allows more people to make more measurements. And and when we know more, we can do more. And so that's that's a positive outcome. Another thing 
And again, one of my focuses has been in the kind of the transportation aspect of it. The emission control systems, which are put on internal combustion engines, are really, really, really effective. And so whether it's a gasoline vehicle or a diesel vehicle, we have the technology to make those vehicles really, really, really clean. And so that's that's great news for the environment. Of course, the, the upcoming trend is electric vehicles. And, and so in, in some sense, the vehicle tailpipe emissions is becoming just less and less of an interesting issue as we transition to electric vehicles. So in terms of trends, I guess maybe that's what I would summarize. Uh, One, vehicles, really all modes of transportation are getting cleaner in terms Mm -hmm. of vehicle emissions, and then our ability to measure and characterizing those emissions is increasing. And so, you know, both of those are kind of exciting news for the field. Another thing we hear a lot about is because there's so many fires because of climate change, we have all these wildfires and the particulate matter is getting poor. So the the air quality is getting poor, and it seems like a lot more people are having more lung, whether it's asthma or other related issues. And and is that something you're finding is is a big part of what, when you measure these particles in the air? Yeah. So so particles from forest fires is is a real thing. I I remember here in Minnesota, you know, whether it was last year or the year before, there was certainly a few days in Minneapolis where where you could definitely sense mm-hmm. higher concentrations of particulate matter in the air and and we knew that these were coming from fires in Canada or more on the west coast and so particle emissions generated by forest fires are are, are really bad to to put it simply and I, you know we need we need less forest fires and <laughs> we need better methods to detect forest fires and get them stopped before they can spread and actually i think potentially low cost particle particulate matter sensors can play a role in that you can imagine if you had really really cheap sensors and you could put them in vulnerable areas if there was a forest fire and you have lots of sensors they can they can kind of serve as early you know warning detectors and could potentially aid in catching the fire before it's spread you know obviously being able to to put it out faster if you're if you're catching it sooner you mentioned that these detectors are becoming cheaper and cheaper all the time in fact enough so that you can have these classrooms use them with individuals is that something you see in the future will we all maybe have some sort of detectors to maybe gauge our own air quality people with lung issues for example or is that maybe just a way out there you know, in, in a sense, it's it's a real thing. There's another project that I'm working on with the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency and the city of Minneapolis, where we we kind of have a program called Community Air Monitoring Projects. And the city of Minneapolis purchased a number of these low-cost air quality sensors and invited interested citizens to participate in our in our program. And so, citizens who wanted a sensor at their home whether it be because they, you know, they're in an area with higher air pollution or because they're part of a more vulnerable po- population or, or for whatever reason, you know, we had these community scientists ask for the sensors that were purchased and, and they were given them. And, and so right now, you know, we've got a website that shows all of the, the low-cost air quality sensors that are deployed in the, in the region of Minneapolis that are more or less at the, at the homes of the community scientists that asked for them. So something on the order of 100 sensors were deployed as part of this initiative. And the people that participated have one at their home and and they're getting, you know, minute by minute information on the the air quality kind of at their home level, you know, depending on what you're looking at, that can lead them to a better understanding of, of what conditions or behaviors or elements lead to higher or lower levels of air quality. I mean, to, to summarize then and answer your question, I, I think that's happening right now. And, and again, these 
the sensors are available on the order of kind of a couple hundred dollars, and and I think that brings it to a price point where if you're an individual and, and you want one, that's that's kind of at the again at a price point where where you could kind of buy one if you wanted to do that. So that's that's kind of a realistic goal. I you know I I don't see them increasing by an order of ma- decreasing in price by an order of magnitude to mm-hmm. to twenty five dollars, which would be even nicer, of course. But I I certainly do see them slowly decreasing in price even beyond where they're at right now. You mentioned a website with those folks that are monitoring on their own. Is that something that's public? People could actually see how the different results that it's are being reported, or is that a more of a private research? Yeah, project? no, ab- absolutely. It's basically map.purpleair, spelled as it sounds, dot com. Mm-hmm. And then you can scroll around in that map, and Purple Air is just the name of a particular sensor. Oh. And as we're speaking here, I'm I'm actually looking at that map, and I see that there is a... There is a purple air sensor deployed in Mankato. Oh, really? Which, uh, you can kind of go to that map and look at it. And, and so right now it tells us the the PM 2.5 concentration at Mankato West High. Oh. So that is where one of the sensors is located right now. Is it a good number or a bad number, or isn't there such a thing as good and bad necessarily? Oh, sure. You know, there there is. So that's, that's a little bit on the higher side. You okay. know, we're in the middle of the day where... You know, we've gone through the the morning commute, and the the high school is kind of located in in a populated area next to uh, kind of a freeway, and so mm-hmm. we would expect higher concentrations in that area than if it was maybe in more of a rural area of Mankato. And so, you know, when we think of the kind of a, a PM two point five concentration that that we'd kind of like, typically target targeting something like thirty five micrograms per cubic meter or less. And mm-hmm. so right now. Uh, in this instance, with this sensor, which again hasn't necessarily isn't necessarily a regulatory monitor, right? This is a low-cost air quality sensor that gives indications. Just right now, it's it's at 54, and and mm. so we're we're kind of above that 35 uh, target that that one might like to see. Today's a windy day. We're recording this on a, a Tuesday afternoon, so it's it's windy out. It's very warm. And, you know, there's also a soybean processing plant in the highway, too. So I suppose all the wind and that could all affect it as well? Yeah, absolutely. All of those factors play into the, the concentration that you would measure. So the, the environmental factors, as well as their prevailing conditions like proximity to freeways and processing plant or other sources of emissions. Now, it's map.purpleair.com. Now, there's one in Mankato. I mean, if that's the kind of thing, if people wanted more, could they say, like, hey, I'm curious. I wonder how it is in North Mankato or wherever. Is that something people could reach out to someone and say, let's, why don't we do this? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't have any to give away. But if someone wanted to reach <laughs> out, you know, they, they can be purchased from the company. And I, I think they would automatically kind of post their data to this Okay. To this map, and so I think in principle it's something that one could buy and and get your your data up on this map and and kind of compare it to compare it to elsewhere. Very interesting. And I wanted to ask you if you had to tell someone, being you've done all this work with aerosols and that sort of thing, what are some of the major things you could do to reduce the amount of particulate that the kinds of things you don't want in the air? Are there any basic things like don't burn or or that's just something that popped in my head? Are there certain things that you would tell somebody? Yeah, you're kind of putting me on the spot with that question, but <laughs> um, there, you know, there, there are, there are certainly things that are, are known to reduce emissions, but they're, they're not necessarily popular choices either. So, uh. you know, having an indoor fireplace, having, having outdoor bonfires, 
I mean, those put higher concentrations of particles in the atmosphere, but, sure. but I'll also myself, even being what I would consider kind of a, an environmentalist and, and someone who's interested in decreasing emissions, I, I have an indoor fireplace and, mm-hmm. and I, I have a bonfire once in a while. And so there, there's a balance between lowering emissions and activities that, that bring us joy, right? right. Um, uh, lawn, lawn equipment, right? So your lawnmowers, snowblowers, weed whackers, which are often two-stroke engines, those are likely to put out certainly higher concentrations of, of particles and gases than, than the equivalent electric versions. And so the, the electric, electrification of kind of lawn equipment, I think, certainly would play a role in, in reducing more local PM concentrations. So there are things you can do to reduce it. Maybe in the future, maybe your mower's still going good, but in the future, you say, well, maybe I should consider something different, like an electric, for example. Is that, are those the sorts of things maybe you would recommend for folks? Yeah, that's certainly something to consider. And, you know, we should also be aware of there's, there's other things that are happening that we probably have a lot less control over. So tires, tire emissions are a real thing. You replace your tire every 50,000 miles because the tread is worn down. Well, where is that tread gone? I mean, that tread has basically been turned into rubber carbon tire particles that suspend in the atmosphere for some period of time. When you're on the roadway, you, you breathe those. Same with our brakes, right? When our oh. brake pads wore out, all those brake pads and those brake pads emissions are, are really particles that, are, that suspend in the atmosphere in the areas surrounding roads. And, you know, obviously, as long as we're driving cars, we're going to have tires and, and brake pads. And so that's an area of emissions where we have a lot less control over. Well, Dr. Swanson, that is not something actually I have thought of. Now, I know I need to replace my tire soon. So is there a better tire, for example, that would have less emissions, even though I don't normally think of tires as doing that? But now that you brought that up, that makes sense. So what should I do or can I do it? Yeah, I, well, I, I, think you, I think you have to replace your tires. Um, right. I, <laughs> I know that. I, uh <laughs> You know, I don't think we're at the point yet where one can make a, a better or worse choice uh. on their tire related to, you know, amount of emissions. But that's where we're going in the future. So okay. brake pad emissions, potentially tire emissions, these these are going to be kind of areas which are controlled or looked more at in, in the future. By future, I'm thinking kind of the, you know, a 10-year t- time frame. I, I think pr- maybe an obvious choice is just improving, a, you know, purchasing a, a longer tread life tire where you're getting 80,000 miles out of a tire as opposed to to 40,000. You know, it's the same amount of tread that wears off, but you've, you know, used it for twice the distance. And so that's going to kind of be nominally half the emissions. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because my tires, I have a a new vehicle. It's Well, it's a 2020 and it has about 15,000 miles on it. And they told me I need new tires already. And that seemed like really (laughs) quickly. And they said, well, a lot of times on new vehicles, they'll put the cheapest tire that they have and they do wear out within 20,000 miles. So that's a common thing. So a lot of times when we're buying something like that, we I, I didn't realize that. So maybe it would have made sense. And maybe in the future, I would know that and buy a better quality tire and say, you know, I don't want your cheap ones. Yeah, it's going to cost me more, but it makes sense in the long run. So maybe that's just something in educating people maybe is a part of, of that piece. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was also disappointed when, <laughs> when my new car had, you know, went through 25,000 miles and all of a sudden those tires need to be replaced. Yeah. So it is, it is certainly well known that OEMs do not put the, the highest quality tires on, on, on new vehicles. I was shocked as well. Well, congratulations on receiving this grant. When will we know, will there be anything public that you'll be coming out with and finding out the results of working with all these students, et cetera, that that the public will hear about? 
Yeah, I, I certainly see an opportunity for some dissemination opportunities as we move forward over about the two-year time frame of the grant. And so right now is, you know, right now we're focused on kind of processes and getting kind of our sensors together, getting the schools lined up. And then, you know, hopefully within the next year, we'll be, students will be out in the field with our sensors making measurements and we'll go, for, we'll go from there. Well, I want to thank you for your time. We've been chatting with Dr. Jacob Swanson, who is a professor of engineering with Minnesota State University, Mankato, located in one of the satellite schools up in the Twin Cities with this Environmental Protection Agency grant. And thanks for all the information, and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Great. It was my pleasure. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.